Jano Media, in association with Get Over It Productions, brings you The Wrath of Josie Steggles, a revenge comedy pod play in five parts. Meet Josie. Unassuming, agreeable, but not to be underestimated. After an after-work drinks with her colleagues ends in awkwardness, an encounter with an incredibly rude nightclub bouncer leaves her feeling bruised, and a demotion under new management puts her out of pocket. Something in Josie snaps. She decides to grab life by the throat and give it a squeeze. The Wrath of Josie Steggles is sponsored by Three Spirit Drinks, award-winning botanical elixirs and alt wines designed for flavour and function. And right now, if you make a purchase through the Three Spirit Drinks website using the promo code SCENE, you can get 15% off your first order. That's S-C-E-N-E for 15% off. And now we'd like to introduce you to the one and only Josie Steggles. Episode one, crime. I'm very average, really. I like walking, baking cakes. I have a cat. Well, used to. I work in a bookshop. That's how I ended up in town that Saturday night, two months ago. It's a retirement to do for Gerald, the manager. There are five of us in the old Orleans pub. Myself, Gerald, of course, with his glasses, little furry face. Bridget, the senior bookseller, oh wise oracle. And Malcolm, the stockroom boy, spotty, a bit whiffy. James is there, the incoming manager. He buys everyone drinks. He's Australian with dark hair, a white streak running through it, like Cruella de Vil, but much nicer, obviously. The evening conversation. The future of ISBNs as a book referencing system. Now, normally, I pushed for a centralised registry to stop the system being abused. But tonight, I feel a wave of self-consciousness. Because we're surrounded by eerie drunk blokes and spray-tanned girls. I worry someone might overhear, laugh at us. So I pretend I'm not with the others. And I look up at the mirrored ceiling. And, oh, God, we're only standing together in a perfect circle all with our drinks cradled to our chests. Later in the evening, it gets worse. As Malcolm was having a new bromance with James, because they both like superhero movies, spills a pint on me and I get drenched all over my blouse. But Bridget intervenes. She magics up tissues, ta-da, to wipe my top. But it feels so intrusive, so I say, it's okay, it's okay. But it comes out way too forced. And I say, I'm sorry, I gotta go. I gotta go. And leave. I step out onto St Mary Street, a.k.a. Cardiff City Zombie Zone. Well, look, there are police vans, blokes throwing up, girls fighting. I put my head down and start walking towards the bus stop. And as I get nearer, I pass a nightclub. There's a huge queue outside. Two bouncers chat to some young girls, wearing pink metallic skirts. Anyway, 
they decide to let the girls jump the queue. Well, they do look cold. One of the bouncers moves a metal barrier post that blocks the entrance, steps backwards, doesn't even check behind him, and he barges right into me. Oof! I fall back, trip over the curb. Ouch! I land on my backside, on the road. The bouncer turns. I see him for the first time bearing over me. He's huge, muscular, with shaved hair curly on top, black boots, steel toe caps. I wait for the hand to reach out, to help me up. The apology, because it was his fault. But it doesn't come. Instead, you want to watch where you're going, love. And his fellow bouncer laughs and says, Darren, I didn't know your missus was in town tonight. And Darren laughs back, but soon becomes impatient that I'm still here. An offence to his eyes. And says, just fuck off, will you? And as I get up, hobble away, I hear Darren laughing again. Fucking hell, that's disgusting. disgusting. Click, the light goes on. I'm home, my flat. Titus follows after me, my cat. A rescue from a sanctuary for psychotic feral beasts. He has a present for me. A dead mouse. Well, he can't help his nature. So, I feed him dinner. Then fall onto my bed. And I want to sleep. Block out the world. But all I can hear is Darren laughing. Like I'm something grotesque. To him, I'm not even female. I'm disgusting. The following day, despite my personal shame and issues of self-loathing, I'm relieved as I enter the bookshop and approach the tills, ready for my shift. It'll do me good to talk to customers, to interact, because I can get a bit, you know, remote. Bridget and Malcolm don't say anything. No mention of the wet blouse incident. Maybe they're worried I might cry or freak on them. Turns out it's quite a lovely morning. I'm helpful, informative and friendly. I rate myself, hmm, eight out of ten. Well done, Josie. And on my lunch break, I wander down Albany Road, off to buy a sandwich. And I spot someone. God, no. It can't be. It's only the bouncer, Darren. He must be local. He's walking past the shops, shoulders swinging a metre wide. Flip-flops, jogging bottoms, low around the waist. As he approaches, I quickly turn away. And he bounds straight past. And that should be it. A chance encounter. Except, well, I'm curious. As this seven foot tall, meathead monster trauma inducer strides by.
How does he tick? Why is he here? So, I decide to follow. I still have 20 minutes left of lunch. I'm like a secret agent, slowly moving behind passers-by, being inconspicuous. And Darren stops. Outside the happy shop and newsagents, he goes inside. I peer through the window. He's chatting with Kenty, the shopkeeper's son. They both laugh, even do the whole fist pump thing. Then Darren hands Kenty a piece of paper and leaves. And I watch as Kenty puts the paper in the window. It's a flyer saying, wanted, cleaner, two days a week. And below are a series of tear-off phone numbers. Now, call me petty, don't. But in that moment, I decide on, oh yeah, a little bit of Josie-style revenge. I enter the shop. I smile at Kenty. Zero response, even though I use the shop twice a week. And as he looks away, I remove the flyer from the window, slide it into my pocket. Done. Ha! I imagine Darren in his home, living in filth and flies, waiting for a cleaner to phone. But no one's coming, mister. And I look up. Oh, Kenty's now staring directly at me as he sips an energy drink, getting ready to spring into action. Three, two, one. He doesn't move. <coughs> he, he appears to see right through me, yearning to be away from here. Probably to the pub across the road. I leave the news agents. Today is turning out quite fabulous. The bookshop goes dead around three. That's when James asked to speak to me in Gerald's, in his office. His smile's gone. His true Deville nature revealed. Listen, Josie, the customers, they find you, to be honest, a bit odd. I've been looking at your contract. I want you to return to your original part-time hours from next week. Also, I'm giving Malcolm a chance on the shop floor, so you'll be out back in the stock room. As James speaks, I feel myself shaking. Shaking. That evening, I microwave batch three of my coriander soup. Ping, feed Titus, put out another dead mouse, empty my pockets, loose change, tissues, I ponder my predicament. Part-time hours are not enough. I won't be able to afford next month's rent. I spot a piece of paper amongst the tissues. I uncrumple it, read, wanted, cleaner. Hmm. I try to justify it to myself. I could do with the money. I could fit it round the bookshop. Of course, there must be hundreds of jobs out there, but I really want this one. I check my phone. Oh, it's out of credit. 
so I head down to the courts. After several rings, he answers. What is it? My name's Josie Steggles. The Wrath of Josie Steggles is written by Kevin Jones, stars Maddie McMahon, and is directed by Scott Lacrasse. It's a Jano Media podcast in association with Get Over It Productions. If you enjoyed this pod play, please leave us a review. All feedback is welcome. And head over to the other podcast we make, The Scene. Tiny pieces of portable theatre. The Scene is dedicated to giving new writing and fringe theatre a digital reach beyond the stage. Follow us everywhere at the scene underscore pod.